Hello and welcome to Tea and Educate, a light-hearted, discussion-based podcast made with teachers for teachers. So grab a cuppa, sit back and relax as we delve into a new slice of education chit-chat with every show. In this episode, we talk to the happy leader herself, Lucy Flower. As a former assistant head teacher, Lucy is passionate about supporting leaders within education and today she offers advice and handy tips for middle leaders looking to take the next step. I hope you like it. Hi Lucy, how are you? I'm really good, how are you? Nice to meet you. And you, it's so great to be able to talk to you. So we'll start off with a few questions that will give us an insight into you as a teacher. So first question, why did you decide to become a teacher and what was your key motivation? I loved my subject, which is music. And I was a musician all through high school and through primary school. And I had really lofty dreams of being a professional flautist in a symphony orchestra. And it was when I went to university and studied music at York that I began to realise that although I had put a lot of time into learning my instrument and refining my craft, I realised that I wasn't unfortunately talented enough and I wasn't dedicated enough to commit that extra time to my practice. But I realised I still wanted to be involved in music in some way and that started to lead me towards teaching. And what has been your proudest moment so far and why? It's whenever I see my students perform, it really is. So there's a family at my school at the moment who have just benefited so much from music education. They're incredibly talented musicians and to see them sort of perform together at concerts is really fulfilling. It's just wonderful. And what has been the most valuable lesson that you've learned as a teacher? I'm still learning every day. I'm learning all the time. The most valuable realisation I've had recently is that teaching doesn't need to be all-consuming. And I think that, yes, being a teacher and an educator is such a privilege, but it is also a job. And therefore, there are, there's room for other things in your life and there's room to find balance with those things. And I think lockdown in particular for me has taught me that. It's been a really big learning curve and I'm quite nervous about going back to school next week and losing sight of the balance that I've achieved. So yeah, that's definitely a good point to make. So today we are focusing on discussing how middle leaders can progress to senior leadership. I am an aspiring senior leader myself and within the next couple of years I hope to have been successful in securing an assistant head teacher position. I've already had some experience of the application process and it's definitely a tough one. I've been told by a few colleagues that it's a bottleneck phase and I know for some of the roles I went for there were in excess of 30 applicants. Although I was shortlisted for some of the roles based on my applications, I was advised in interview feedback that I would benefit from a couple more years of experience to make me a stronger candidate. At the time, I felt like I was confident and I was ready, but having moved to a different school in a sideways move, I feel like I have definitely broadened my experience and developed more as a leader over the past year. When I complete my next application, I think I'll feel more confident, both of the process and that I could actually secure a role. So I guess to get us started, it's probably good to ask, how does someone know they are ready for senior leadership? Oh, great question. You have to ask yourself the question, why? Why do you want to lead? Um, perhaps it's a genuine curiosity about the workings of, whole, of the whole school issues and whole school leadership. Perhaps it's about a keenness for further responsibility. Perhaps it's about having a greater impact on the students and colleagues within your setting as well. 
So I think, first of all, it's important to ask why and to really find what it is that motivates you. And actually, the questions you asked me at the start of the podcast were really useful for me to sort of think back and really reconnect with, with why, why I want to, why I'm in education. I think also for knowing you're ready, I think you need to be very self-aware. And I think there's a real difference between thinking you're self-aware and really truly being self-aware and self-critical. And I think that your example is a really, really good one, that you, you really felt ready when you did those applications. But actually now having a broader experience by moving to another setting has really enabled you to see, actually, there's, there's more now um, behind me. There's more behind me to help with that. I think you might also ask if you are somebody who invites feedback and constructive criticism as well. That all sort of goes in with that self-awareness, definitely. Finally, are you able to demonstrate capability in your current role? Being a leader is, is often about balancing a teaching workload along with everything else that might go with your remit and role as a leader. So I think firstly, you need to be able to demonstrate capability in your current role in order to, to prove that you're able then to move on. And crucially, are you a minority in leadership? Female secondary heads are actually inversely proportionate to the percentage of women in secondary teaching so only 36 percent of secondary head teachers are female whereas the female workforce within a school is over 62 percent and i think also if you are a bain colleague and um, you are severely underrepresented in leadership there's only three percent of head teachers in the whole of the uk who are not white and only five percent of assistant and deputy heads are not white so I, I think that if you are a BAME colleague or if you are somebody who would consider yourself an ally, I would really think about the example that could be set there about being that phrase of children looking up and not being able to be what they can't see. And I think that that's another powerful motivator to get into leadership if you, if you own that category. Yeah, that's a really great point to make. In line with the self-aware and self-critical, I felt that I did a master's in education, leading innovation and change. And having that focus on leadership through studying really helped me become more self-aware and self-critical and reflective. What are your views on completing master's programmes or the MPQSL ahead of applying for senior leadership positions? I think, as you say, it's, it's weighing up whether going through the process of that qualification would be beneficial to you as a leader. And I think that it's no longer sort of seen as a requirement to have to do that. It's not really seen as an essential for applying for those roles. But I think you yourself would need to weigh up the benefits of, of completing that, that qualification. Also, looking into what else that qualification fulfills for you. I would love to do a master's because I've rediscovered my love for learning and for reading and for thinking critically and for also applying that to my own leadership. So I would love to undertake a master's for those reasons, because I think it would make me a better person and therefore a better leader. When it comes to applying for roles, how do you know it is the right role in the right school for you? What, and which of the two do you think is more important? This is the question, isn't it? I, I think first you need to really know yourself and you need to know what values you hold most dear. And being very as I said before, self-aware and able to self-audit your areas of expertise and also where you're looking to develop and learn further. 
if you know those things really clearly, then you just need to then match the role and the school to that. And in terms of the entry level role, which is generally an assistant head teacher or assistant principal role, sometimes they are advertised as being a particular pathway. So sometimes they're advertised as being very much teaching and learning. Sometimes they're advertised as assessment. Sometimes they're advertised as a pastoral role. I would see absolutely no harm in applying for one that isn't necessarily your area of expertise. So traditionally, a head of year would probably apply for a pastoral assistant head role. But I wouldn't see the harm in in actually trying to broaden your scope as a leader and saying, well, yes, I do have a lot of experience in pastoral, but actually I also have some things I've done within my department and I would like to lead on teaching and learning. It's something I'm very passionate about. So I'm going to apply for that particular role. And then looking for the school that matches all of those things you know about yourself. So I think here the, the key is to, to make sure you investigate further than just what you are told. And if you can use your, your wider networks to find people who work there or have worked there and ask them for their opinions too, to make sure that what they're saying, their values and their ethos is, is actually what you can see in their day-to-day behaviours. I think there's a hard balance to strike as well when you're applying for assistant head roles in that, If you're really passionate about getting that role, you want to go to the right school, but then is there an element that you can be too picky or is there an element that you might end up taking a role in a school that you're then not happy? I think it's really hard to strike that balance as well, isn't it? Because you you can see that you can make a greater difference. You want to get to that level, but yeah, can you be too picky or can you be too, just go with it? I honestly would say that the school is the most important thing. And I think that there will be lots and lots of SLT roles that come up within your kind of window of of wanting to move forward. And holding out for the right school is definitely the way to go. And sometimes, you know, you can find out so much about school and you think, actually, this is looking like the right place for me. You can apply, go through that process. You might even get to the interview stage or even to the job offer stage. And there might be something that you've seen or learned during that process that actually makes you question that. And it is okay at that point to say no. And it is okay to say, actually, I'm just not quite sure with the right fit. There's something here that's not quite working for me. It's really hard because I totally get it. I'm ambitious and I want to move on. And I think that something to remember here is that our careers are likely to span decades and decades to really just remember that roles come up in schools all the time and just to make sure it's the right fit for you. And when it is the right fit, you're going to come across so much better in the interview anyway, aren't you? Because you're going to be able to sell yourself in line with their values and their vision is going to match your vision. And yeah, it's more of a cohesive journey, I guess. What would be your three top tips for how to stand out from a pool of applicants with your covering letter, particularly when there is a big field? So the covering letter is really where you can make an impact. So my first tip is to provide exactly what they're asking for. So they give you a fantastic, very detailed, wordy job and person specification. So really look through that carefully and make sure that you internalize it. And when you write your letter, tell them those points. So tell them, how you match that. Also use the language that they've used there too. Don't give them an excuse to not shortlist you. Make sure you match every single point they've written. 
My second tip would be to have real impact. Keep your paragraphs fairly short and of a similar length, length to each other. If you imagine these letters going to, you know, a shortlisting panel, which may consist of governors, it may be other members of the senior leadership team. If they're receiving potentially 100 applications, you want to make yours really clear and concise, easy to read and easy for them to see where you match their job specification. Start each of those paragraphs with your impact. So resist the urge to kind of tell a story about something you've done and resist the urge to tell them all the steps you went through and then what the impact was. Start your paragraph instead with the impact. So this is what I did. It had this impact. Then you can go into detail in the rest of the paragraph about the steps you took and how that matches what they're looking for in a leader. And finally, seek feedback on your letter, but be really selective. So absolutely ask a couple of people that you trust to read it over. But remember that the application is yours. You want it to sound like you do just take their feedback under advisement. Brilliant. And what would you say counts as impact and how important is data linking to the impact? Impact is something that can be quite difficult to measure sometimes, particularly if you are at a middle leader role or at that kind of level within the school. So I think there are lots of ways in which you can demonstrate impact. So this could start with your own classes or your own form group. So you could be doing something really simple like trialing a new teaching and learning technique. You could be doing something like working with a small group of pupils in your form or in one of your classes on something like their behavior or their attendance and using a few strategies to try and improve that. In order to have scope for that to go further and for you to demonstrate more whole school impact what you could then do is to look at the school improvement plan and work out what the school's priorities are for this year you can then work within those key areas because then what would happen is your senior leadership team will absolutely snap up any positive impact you've had in those areas and they are far more likely then to roll it out to a larger scale and to a wider audience. You might then be asked to lead on that, for example, and that could lead then to opportunities to manage a larger group of colleagues, which then would lead to you being able to demonstrate that impact. It is useful to help you measure that impact. So, for example, if you have moved a certain class up through residuals or if you've helped, you know, your whole department do that through strategies that you've utilised or, you know, with percentage improvements in behaviour sanctions or in attendance as well. I think it's good to have that data to be able to link that in because that really then proves your impact, that what you've done has had a really positive result. In my experience of interviewing for assistant head teacher positions, whole school experience is often something that is asked about. What would you say constitutes whole school experience and what advice would you offer to someone who is looking to lead a whole school project? I mean, whole school experience needs to be something that, that you have either led on or had a significant part to play and um, that impacts on a very large group of students. Now, that may not be the whole school. So, for example, at my school, there's 1,200 different students. But it, it may be something that you can say, well, actually, within the year group, that would constitute a large group of students and would lead towards whole school experience. You need to sort of choose an area that you feel you could make a real difference in. 
and then you could approach the senior leader who line manages that area and you could go to them and say I've had this idea of something I'd like to do to improve x these are some strategies I'd like to use to go about that what are your thoughts the senior leader can then tell you whether anything you're suggesting is already being done by somebody else in the school that you may not know about but also they can help guide you and coach you through some different ways of doing that. And most importantly, it is raising your profile within the senior leadership team. So it's saying, look at me, here I am. This is what I want to do. I'm wanting to lead. This is my fantastic idea and how I'm going to do it. Give me this opportunity. And to be honest, they would be mad not to bite your hand off, to want you to do that, to have that positive um, impact and, and outcomes for a large group of students. Sometimes starting small with your strategy is a good idea because then you can get results and get data and get impact and then you can prove that it works before rolling it out on a larger scale. What if there are limited opportunities within the school though and you've gone to have a chat with the senior leaders and there, there just doesn't seem to be scope to get involved with something, what would you suggest to someone then? Yeah, it, it, it does happen. It's a real shame, but it, it, that does happen. So I would say it's, it can be difficult sometimes to hear that and difficult realisation to come to that perhaps for whatever reason, you're not going to be supported within your current setting. There are two things you can do here. One of those is to, to think about things you can manage within your small sphere of influence, so within your classroom, within your form group because they are usually areas where you might have a little bit more autonomy. And then again, once you have those fantastic um, data and those outcomes, you can then go back to the senior leadership team and say, I know you said you didn't want me to do this on a wider scale, but look what I've been doing with this small group, just so you're aware it did work and this, this is what happened. That might then cause them to rethink or to, to realise that this would be a good idea. Another thing you could do is to look outside of your school for, for opportunities to lead and to demonstrate your leadership qualities. So there are, especially with lockdown happening and the huge expansion of online CPD, there are lots of things you can do. You could lead some webinars, you could do um, some speaking, some blogging. You could also reach out to, to other networks such as Women Ed or the NTPT project. Do volunteer your services um, to sort of lead on event planning or to lead on CPD planning, which all help to show your initiative and give you more opportunities to, to lead a group of people and to have positive outcomes for students, which all contribute towards um, a sort of whole school project that you can then talk about at least for One of the things I benefited from having attended a few assistant headteacher interviews is the experience of completing a range of different tasks. So each interview threw something different at me. I had to deliver lessons and assemblies, complete data tasks in timed conditions, which felt like being back in an example. <laughs> um, I had to undertake learning walks, write responses to explain how I would deal with set scenarios, complete intro tasks. And in one school, I also had to complete a fishbowl exercise discussing set talking points with other candidates whilst being observed by two school leaders. How can aspiring leaders best prepare for the different tasks they may be set and what tasks could be given? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, leadership interviews can throw anything at you. So so basically what I would do is I would look at the types of tasks that you may be given. The test has some great articles on this and um, some great kind of insights into how you might approach those. Look at the day-to-day life of a leader within your school. Look at the kinds of things they are doing because it's likely that your tasks will emulate some of those at least and speak to them about how they approach it, about how they approach prioritising them in time as well, and just get some advice from how they would go about it because they succeed and do that on a daily basis and they're a really good port of call. I would also um, take some time to reflect on how you would approach it as a leader because you will be different to, to your leadership within your school and how you might go about doing some of those things would be a little bit different surprise tasks are also often a feature of of the interview day so they're ones that you you would struggle to prepare for in advance unlike things like a a lesson that you know you'll be teaching but I would take your time really consider if you were in role how you would approach that and remember actually that however you approach these tasks there's often no right or wrong answer it is about you demonstrating what you would do in that role and your interview panel are well aware especially at sort of assistant head teacher level that you may not have had experience of doing all these things yourself um, currently but they're looking at what you would do and they're looking at how that ties in with the kind of person and leader that they're looking for. The tasks I completed were alongside three to five different interview panels with leaders, governors, staff and students as schools sought to explore my experience, understanding and views of different aspects of school life ranging from teaching and learning, curriculum, pastoral and safeguarding. How can aspiring leaders best prepare for multiple panels and what would your top tip be for answering interview questions? This is what I I had one recently where I thought I was walking into a student panel where they were going to ask me questions. And as we walked there, we were told, actually, no, you're going to be role playing. You are an Ofsted inspector who's come to the school and you're going to interview the students. So it's very much sort of a thinking on your feet. It wasn't at all what I was expecting, but was a really, really good and interesting task, actually. I think in terms of multiple interview panels, think about the different stakeholders that there are going to be. And think about what they want to know about a leader. So, you know, what a student wants to find out about a leader may be different from what a governor does and maybe different again from what, say, a head of department or an NQT might want to know. So I would really think about what do they want to know about me as the leader? And that is likely then to lead you to the sorts of questions that they might be asking and also the sorts of answers they might be looking for too. So I would really have ready your views on, as you say, general issues in education, such as behaviour, well-being and so on. There also may come up situational questions, which, you know, what would you do if? And also there will be questions about how you reflect on yourself and how self-aware you are. So being ready to be able to talk about your strengths as well as your areas for development and what you want to do to expand those is really, really important. In terms of answering the questions, I think my first tip is to project yourself into the role. So answer the questions by saying something like, as assistant head teacher at X school, I will. So put yourself in that role immediately. Psychologically, it's, it's a good trick. It works, but it also demonstrates them how serious you are about this role. 
I would also immediately state your impact. So just as in the covering letter, I wouldn't start with a long story about how you achieve something. And at the end of it, you know, sort of a couple of minutes into you talking, you then say, oh, and by the way, it had this impact. I would start the answer with, this is the impact it had. And then this is how I went about it. So that it, it really, it shows how strategic you are as a leader and it instantly puts in their mind that you are very capable of doing whatever it is because you have had that, that impact there. And I would also say, be self-aware. It's okay if you haven't answered a question perfectly. And it's okay if part of your answer is, do you know what? I don't know. Or actually, I'm still working on that. Schools don't necessarily want to see this amazing, polished, perfect article. They're aware that, you know, you are on a journey as a leader I mean, all the way through to head teacher and CEO, you will be on still on that journey. And they want to see you as a real person. And they want to know that you're aware when something hasn't quite gone very well. And it's fine to say, actually, can I just try and answer that again? Or I'd just like to add a little bit more detail there because I don't think I put that across very well. And they, w- they would absolutely welcome you doing that. One of the things I took to doing in interviews as well is always having a notepad where I can write keywords from the questions because I'm really bad at listening to a question, but I'm already thinking about how to answer it rather than pausing. So writing down like a couple of keywords about what I'm meant to be focusing on, taking that pause and then answering is something that I found quite useful as well. Definitely. And I've also actually in an interview said, do you know what? I want to think a little bit more on that question. And I've done what you've done. I've jotted down a few words. And then I've asked, can we come back to it later? And they've moved on to another question, which just gives me a little bit more thinking time to come back to that one at the end. And that's always been welcomed and always been met positively when I've done that. And I think as well, one of the questions I've been asked, I think a couple of times now, is to talk about something that I've done that's gone wrong or something that hasn't been successful. And I think in an interview, it can throw you. But like you were saying about they're just seeing how self-aware you are, that you can reflect and say what you do differently next time. So even questions that you think are there to throw you, they're not. They're just seeing how you would act as a leader, aren't they? Definitely. Applying and interviewing for assistant head teacher roles can be exhausting. If candidates are unsuccessful, how would you advise they deal with the rejection? Unfortunately, it's a part of applying for leadership roles, as you say, and there can be multiple different reasons. Sometimes it is because you just don't have the experience they're looking for and that the other candidates happen to be particularly strong. Sometimes it is a case of you did have everything, but we just didn't quite sync up with some things and it wasn't quite the right lid for the right pot. And I think that that's something we need to remember. It's really hard because you put everything into an application you know there are days and days of work in there right from researching as soon as the job comes out to writing that application to going through the process to going through the interview it can be really really soul destroying but I think the easiest way to look at this is just that it is a part of what we do and that they are looking for the right person as much as you are and as much as you might feel you slipped up in an interview and not shown what you can do Equally, sometimes they might make a mistake and they might have not employed you and they actually should have done and and they may come to think about that later too. I think that 
it's important to have that sort of grieving process to allow yourself time to be annoyed and upset about not getting the job and that's absolutely fine to do you don't have to sort of straight away be yeah fine about it it's okay to to spend that time just just feeling like that but I would say when those feelings passed ask for feedback so go back and say to them you know what what was it what what did I do well and what can I improve on I would listen to that feedback carefully and I would consider if it matches up with your views of how it went. If there are differences, I would ask yourself why there are differences. So why do I feel that that went well, but they don't? Is that because I hadn't seen it from their point of view? Is that because I haven't quite accepted that maybe I'm not as good at that as I think I am? Or is it because actually there's an agenda or bias to what they are saying and actually... I should maybe discount that piece of advice and go with my gut there. And I, I think that's important to really wonder whether any feedback you don't quite agree with or you have a difference of opinion on is due to their bias and perception or yours. And to be really quite deeply self-reflective there about that. I think also when they give you the feedback, think about future applications. Are there nuggets in there that I will use in the future? And I think what I have done with, with some feedback from places where I was unsuccessful is then when another job role's come up, I've actually gone back to them and said, this job role has come up. Can I just have some advice on this aspect that we talked about in terms of my feedback? And actually that's been met really positively and they've been really good in giving their time to do that, even though we're not likely to be working together in the near future. And actually what it's done is it's been a good thing to continue that really beneficial working relationship. And one of the things that I do after an interview as well now, since I've started applying for assistant head teacher roles, is when I've got the feedback, I also ask them for the questions that they ask me. Mm. And most of the times they have sent them through so that I can sit through and look at those questions, use them to prepare for my next interview. So I've got more, I guess, structured answers or I've put more thought into how I might respond to something. But just building that bank of questions I've already been asked has been really helpful in helping me to reflect as well. Oh, definitely. What a great idea. Before we finish, do you want to explain what your new to SLT chat is on um, Twitter? What is it and who can get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I took over the, the handle for this in January it's been going for a couple of years now and on Sunday evenings it's basically an opportunity for anyone who is looking to get into a leadership role or anyone who is fairly new to a leadership role at whatever level to come and talk about aspects of leadership and topical things that come up with education. It's at 7.30pm on a Sunday evening and it's just using the hashtag new to SLT chat and everyone is welcome whether you are aspiring or whether you're in a leadership role at any level. Brilliant. And finally, and most importantly, if you were a cake, what would you be and why? I think I would be a carrot cake. It's not one that I think is thought of particularly as being a favourite, but I think it's, it's one that might surprise you. And I think that's, that's why I would be that cake. Brilliant. <laughs> Everyone loves a surprise, don't they? Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you, Lucy. That was really great. I think there's so many useful nuggets of advice there that will be really useful for aspiring leaders and people that are looking to take the next step. So thank you. 
Oh, that's great to hear. And if anyone does ever want some advice or to chat things through, I am available on Twitter, at Mrs Lflower, and I'm more than happy to help anytime. Thank you, Lucy. So much help, advice and wisdom for aspiring senior leaders. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Twitter and your chosen podcast platform. Leave us a review and share us far and wide. I'll be back soon for another slice of tea and educate. cake.